Driving it home with Patty Vasquez, Patty Vasquez. From global conflicts to greenhouse gases, the folks refusing to wear masks says, and politicians getting caught grabbing asses says, she's driving it home with Patty Vasquez. Oh, what? yeah. Tony Arsley just heard my theme song for the first yeah. time. We are broadcasting live from Burning Brewery, Burning Bush Brewery. See, I, I got rid of my bush, so I didn't think of it. Anyway, what? The, in front of my house, I meant. We have a show tonight, Tony Arsley and uh, Soli Santos, who you heard earlier in the week, and you'll hear more of her coming up at 6 o'clock. And who else do we have on the show today? We have... Uh, Angie McMahon will be here. Oh, thank you very much. Arville Avril Granado and Nana Rodriguez will all be on the show today. And uh, Burning Bush Brewery is right off of Irving Park Road. It's on Rockwell. Beautiful venue. Great beer from what I hear. And uh, I'm excited to sit down with some of my friends. Uh, Tony, we haven't seen each other in a minute. It's been, yeah. a, it's been a minute. It has been. Yeah. But uh, you are one of the first people that I um, kind of just like gravitated towards and just you were such an inspiration and like motivated me so much well first of all let's just tell people well well, let's just tell people that we both went to lane tech yes okay so three of us did so no no so we went to lane tech she went to madonna oh that's right she wanted to go to lane tech her brothers went to lane tech Mm -hmm. yes yeah, so I felt like that was a, a, like an instant connection I had with you. And then there were so few women doing what we were doing, doing comedy back, you know, 12, 15 years ago. And you were killing it. And Aww. so I was like, oh, my gosh, like, I know her. I know. <laughs> and I would tell my kids every time I would see you at an audition, you know, my, I would, you know, you'd bring the kids sometimes. Yep. And I would. Whenever we bumped into you, I'm like, she's famous. She's no. famous. So then when you would, you know, have commercials on the air or whatever, my kids would see it. They're like, oh, my God, Mommy, that's, that's your famous friend. I'm like, yep, yes, it is. I'm uh, D-list Chicago famous, I think, is where, where I fall. <laughs> I Well, and here's the thing. And you know, like, we pursue these things and we're passionate about it. But so many elements pop up in our lives or socially or in our environment where it's like, okay, now I have to do it this way. Yeah. You know, and we have to be nimble. because well, we're both moms. Yep. So, you know, you, you have to adjust. To, like, where do you draw the line between, like, pursuing your passions, your dreams, and you're like, I know this is going to be a game changer if, if this hits. Yeah. Versus, like, at what point am I being a little selfish and I got to right. hold thing, you know, things back. So I, I've been thinking about that, too, because like, I remember when I was in my 30s and I wanted to write a novel and my manager was like, uh, you know what? You're not famous yet. Wait, you know, when you're 50, there'll be plenty of time to write novels. And I'm like... <sighs> <laughs> and not that I, you know, but now I'm 52. And I, I love what I do, but so much changed in the last 10 years. You know, do one, doing radio, I love connecting with people. Mm-hmm. A lot has gone on with my son, Declan. Yeah. I did the whole L.A. thing. I never wanted to live out there. I just never, I love my city. Yeah. And, uh, and I know that you have found work in film. And I've gotten work mm-hmm. on Chicago Fire and other, like, you know, mm-hmm. auditions. And then you mentioned going on auditions. It is funny that it's always, like, the same Latinas. At always. Every- <laughs> always. It's the Latina reunion every time. Every time. Yeah, mm-hmm. the funny Latinas, especially. Yeah. They put us in the yeah. Although now I 
am getting auditions for women in their 50s. And I'm like, well, I, you just had some, a big role. I, you, what was it? Oh, Road Dog. Yeah. I was in Road Dog with, uh, yeah. I, it's a really, it's a really, really good movie. It's a, uh, Doug Stanhope is amazing. And, uh, and I did, uh, I've had so many auditions now. The strike is over. I haven't booked anything. But I know that you have been, you were a, a, a location scout for yes. years for yes. all the shows here in Chicago. That was such a game changer for me because being on one side, the, the, yes. the front of the camera, right, where you're so nervous and you're, and you just don't know how all the pieces of the puzzle fit together. And then, uh, just really serendipitously, I ended up working as an assistant in the locations apartment on Chicago Fire. Right. And and I was still auditioning and acting, but once I was on the other side, I and I saw how all the pieces of the puzzle come together. Right. It made auditioning less nerve wracking because oh, I, interesting for me it did because you know when you go into those rooms you're like oh my god am I going to get it and then I'm going to be on a big set and it's like you're hitting the majors. But when you don't know what that environment is like, I think all of the nerves come yes. all at the same time. But now knowing what that environment is, I, w- I was able to go in there more relaxed, you know? But yeah. the really interesting thing is my very first TV credit was on Chicago Fire season one. And then season two, I worked on Chicago Fire. Really? So I nice. had people that were like, weren't you on the show? <laughs> right. And now, what are you doing here? You're like, I need steady work. Yeah, yes. and that's what it was. It provided steady work for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And then the strike happened. And it just like you know, just crippled all of us. So. And I think, yeah, and I think that that's something that I've been wanting to talk to people about more. And I, and I can't believe that, you know, this just happened, as you mentioned, serendipitously, serendipitously. Second day in a row, I've tried to, try to say a word that I don't usually use as often, but it's a beautiful word, that, uh, that I've wanted to talk to people who, I mean, like in L.A., I know that there were writers and, and actors who, like, were hanging out for dear life, and many of them living in their cars, giving up their apartments, and you ended up having to sell your I home. I sold my house. Yeah. Because I of the didn't strike. want to. Yeah. Right. So, you know, the first thing that hit us was COVID. We were out from, like, about uh, March to fall, like September, October-ish, and I was working on a pilot right before, um, you know, COVID just shut everything down. And then the first thing that I came back to was the Batman feature okay. that was filmed here. It was part... Robert Pattinson's yes, movie? Yes, yeah. So that was the first work I did. Uh, but that was in the end of August. So from March to August, nothing. Nothing. Ugh. So, you know, you're going through your savings. You're doing all this, you know. But now, oh okay, the, now the industry's back. And you're like, okay, right. great. And it came back so strong. But it was because all of the studios were trying to wrap everything up. So 2021 was great. Right. And then 2022, things just start to slow down. And I was doing a lot more freelance work. And then coming into 2023, there was nothing because the studios knew that there, the, the contracts were going to end and it was more than likely they were going to strike, which they did. And so going from back-to-back yeah. occurrences like I had nothing to to hold me over for who knows how long right and so I like thousands of other people you had to pivot you had to do something and I'm like okay well I have this house that I was lucky enough to afford with the income of working in the film industry and now that's gone oh Tony. so what do I do you know I mean honestly like I was 
my mother, God bless her. I mean, she is my, my saint. She saved me and she would say, you know, do you need, do you need me to help you with the mortgage this month? And she did, you know, so so when, when, let me me tell you how much she helped me. When I sold my house, I wrote her a check for $22,000. Wow. Because that's how much she helped me to try to hold on to a piece of property. And I'm like, I got to let this go. Right. You know? And so well, cause now... Because you, you're making payments, you're taking out cr- more credit to pay for something that's already on credit. Yeah. Because houses are just really... crazy. Places people, the bank lets us live, yeah. is what I'm just yeah. saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? And now I am uh, living back with my parents. Uh, and the last time I lived with them, I was 19 years old. Oh, my God. So in a tiny little... I went from a four-bedroom townhouse to one room. That's like 12 by 15. Right, you right. You know? So talk about a, like swallowing your pride and just being like, no, nah, it is what it is, you know? I, and, I, and I've wondered about the, the hardworking crew and people like you. Because for folks who don't know, uh, a location scout, obviously, for maybe some people don't know, it's you go and they give you a description of what the, you know, the type of room you need. I think you came to WGN once yeah, I did. for a radio yeah. station. So we actually get the script. We read it. Our location oh. manager will um, kind of guide us a little bit more. The production designer is really the one with the vision of like what they're looking for, you know? And then we're just trying to match like his vision or her vision, his or her vision. And uh, a lot of it is tedious work because we're bringing them, you know, dozens of options and they're like, no, no, this, no, oh you know? God. And it's, it's could be really frustrating. Um, so we, all of our work goes in before we show up on set. And, and we're a department that's so small and we're so niche that even the crew members don't even know what we do. I've literally been on set where a wardrobe person is with me at Crafty. And they're like, oh, so you're in locations. What do you guys do? Oh, my God. And I'm like, well, where did you park today? <laughs> I'm like, that's us. Where are you going to eat lunch? That's us. We find not just where we're going to film, but like all of the support locations. So oh my where... God is a crew of 120 people and 200 background actors going to park their cars and eat. And the tra- where the trailer's going to go, how are you going to get yes. electric, how are, you know, what's the lighting going to be at a certain time of day if you look for the mm-hmm. shots and everything? And then all the garbage, the garbage cleanup. People don't think about that. We, you know, can't leave a trace that we were even there. So, um, and then the permits, we've got to pull those. Police assistance. It's just all of the logistics of bringing this entire, you know, crew from the studio at Cinespace or, you know, Chicago Studio City out into the world. And then oh dealing with the residents that are angry that we stole their parking and then, yeah. you know, or a director that now wants a light on top of a roof he never talked about before. Oh, and now no. we got to make it happen, you know. So that's, that's being a little too artsy. Oh, they, they, I know, I know. yeah. Yeah, they, they want to put their touch on it. Mm-hmm. Are you, so what, have you talked to other people that you work with that, I mean, are going through a similar situation? I mean, like, what's yeah. the, what's the energy like? I mean, is, is it, is there a lot of anger and there's a lot of um, frustration? It's a lot of like, I've got to figure something out, oh. you know? So every person that I'm, you know, friends with that's in the industry, they're all doing something else. A lot of, you know, men that I have worked with, they've gone back to trucking, you know, cause they had their CDLs. Um, some people became firefighters like, and it's, it's, it's a point of like, am I going to do something temporary and then go back? Or am I doing a whole career right. change and never coming back? And it's oh, a really hard Tony. decision yeah. because you work so hard in an industry, you, you have this knowledge that you really can't apply towards anything else um, other than production. But 
not to mention the unions too. I'm, I mean, it took me six years to be in the Directors Guild of America. I mean, just the fees alone was seventy three hundred dollars. Oh my God! Yes. $7,300. That was in 2020. No. And then COVID hit. And so I was like, um, yeah, about those payments. <laughs> We're going to have pause to pause that. Yeah. yeah. You know, so, and then you're not fully vested until um, you're, you're working for five years. So I haven't vested yet. Right, right. So it's like if I walk away, I'm like leaving all this money. No. That, you know what I mean? So it's, a, it's, it's tough. Like I still... You know, I'm hopeful. Like, I want to still kind of, you know, go back and do things here and there. But we'll see. We'll take it uh, one day at, at a time. We're talking to Tony Arsali. She's uh, one of the comics joining us today at the comedy. It's the comedy showcase at the Laugh Lounge, the Laugh Lounge at River Room here at Burning Bush Brewery on Rockwell near Irving Park Road. Oh, and Amy Nico Schwartz. I didn't say that either. And both. so both of you are hosting. That's an interesting. I, I love this. This is a very good flyer. I, I should tell people how to do flyers. I'm just saying. That was me. That's very, I love this. We have the show at 7.30, so you still have time to get over here. Oh, it's at 7 o'clock. Oh, right when I finish, it's at 7. It's at 7 o'clock, and uh, the, the tickets are $15. You can purchase tickets at riverroomchicago.com or come on in, and we'll sell you a ticket at the door. The show is at 7.30. Come on in, have a drink, and get something to eat at 7 o'clock. Let's take a break here. We'll come back in just a moment on WCPT 820 Heartland Signal, broadcasting live from Burning Bush Brewery on the northwest side. More in a moment on WCPT 820 Heartland Signal. Tune in to Joan Esposito, live, local, and progressive, for daily professional guest insights. It's really amazing to have someone speak sensibly and clearly and honestly. I'm talking to uh, Alderman Scott Wagaspak of the 32nd Ward, Professor Joel Ostro from Benedictine University, Dr. Brian Jerwad, Ron Whittingham, co-chief executive officer and investment executive at Megan's Financial. Listen to Joan Esposito, live, local, and progressive, weekdays from 2 to 5 p.m. on WCPT 820 a.m. You're listening to WCPT 820, because facts matter. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez. In your communities in Chicago. On WCPT 820. Thank you so much for driving it home with us until 7 o'clock. I am broadcasting live from Burning Bush Brewery on Rockwell. Tonight we are performing at the Laugh Lounge in the River Room, right here connected to the Burning Bush Brewery. And Tony Arsali. I got it. Tony Arsali, I was, I was writing a, a, a memo today for future guests to give me some patience on when I say their name incorrectly. And I've been saying your name incorrectly for years, Tony. I just, it's just a, a, but do you hear it so often that people add the A yeah, in the middle? Yeah. I think that there, there's a judge with a similar name, Araceli. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. And, uh, and that's a very popular um, Hispanic, mostly Mexican so I, first name, yeah. Ar- Araceli. So I get that a lot. Sometimes people will call me Araceli thinking that's my first name. And I'm like, that's first. You're saying you're wrong. But, but that's my last name. <laughs> you know? It's a beautiful name. Thank Arsene. you. And we were talking about your work as a, as a location scout for mm-hmm. shows here in Chicago and uh, how much the, the pandemic and then, of course, ultimately the strike uh, uprooted and upended your work. Uh, you know, and as people work in, in, in entertainment, it can be hard to go, okay, what else can I do? And I have a really good friend who pursued, he's a stand-up comic, who also pursued a career uh, that you are, are following, which I'm so excited for. Tell us what you do now as well. Mm, well, I became a flight attendant. <laughs> 
You know what's funny about this is is in the process. It's a very rigorous, like intense process. So like training for the military. It's, it felt like I was going to boot camp, yeah. yeah. But just leading up to it, you you have several rounds of interviews. And, you know, the final interview, it's this, like, entire day, and you're, you're in groups, and then you they split you off individually, and they're asking you questions. I'll, I'll never forget, we're in a, a table of, like, six, and there was one of the recruiters there, and... They would ask, you don't know what question they're going to ask you. And, and they would ask you questions like, so tell me about a time when you had to deal with a difficult customer. And, and I'm in my head laughing because I'm like, <laughs> we call that like Tuesday in the film industry. <laughs> like, be more specific, you right. know? It, and so I felt like everything that I had done and dealt with, yes. with the public and everything, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, now it's just that, but on a plane, right? you know, dealing with all these people. But I'll never forget, we're sitting at this table and it was two rounds of this and you're listening to other people's responses and you can see when people get really flustered and they freeze up and when it was over... We all like took a breath and we're like, oh. and I said, I'm like, oh my God, guys, I think that's the closest I'll ever feel to being like on Miss America because <laughs> yeah. that's what it felt like. Like oh you're, it's so much writing on how well you answer these questions, you know? And, and for me, you know, not working, the strike is still going on. And I'm like, my mother was one that, you know, suggested it and I'd never really thought about it. And I'm like, well, what else do I got to lose? Right. Like, what, and there's nothing else going on, you know? So... When they pulled me in on my own, they pulled on my resume and, you know, the recruiters going over things and, and, uh, she's, you know, asking all those standard questions. And then the last thing she does is she gives me a sheet of paper and she's like, okay, now we just want you to read, read this, you know, this document here. And I'm thinking they just want to hear what I sound like. Cause you know, the right. flight attendants have to do PA announcements, you know? So I'm like, okay. And it said like, American Airlines thanks you for your time um, during this process and at this moment we would like to extend and they had, that's how they told me that is so weird so she had me read it's an acceptance letter the in front acceptance of her. letter but I but had to read it out loud to them but just she it was just her and I oh how and, funny still and so she it was like a sweet way to tell oh, me yes. that you got the job but I couldn't even get through the sentence because I started crying and she like immediately hands me a box of Kleenex and I'm like this is a game changer thank you so much because yeah. I, I hadn't worked and I was like what am I going to do you know so oh, congratulations thank you and I my so it's Tim Harrison is a stand-up comic who also became a flight attendant and he seems to love it He's- it's yeah I mean so far it's it's pretty flexible like you know they guarantee you 75 hours a month that you're going to work so in the beginning it's difficult because you can't really plan a schedule but but you're you, you can make it work, you know, and um, and I'm just enjoying the ride right now. Like every day is different, you know. Yeah, there's, it is. There's I just came off of like a five day trip sequence, which was insane. Um, and so I was like in Puerto Rico and in San Antonio, in Denver, Come on. in Phoenix. Um, Do you get um, how much time of a layover? Like what's the longest you've gotten? Yeah. I mean, so far the longest I've gotten has been like 18 hours. That's not too bad. No, if, it, if it's someplace you like being. I mean, yeah. if it, and no offense, Des Moines, but I mean, like if you fly to Des Moines, you're like, oh, we'll yeah, for 18 hours in Des Moines, get some loose meat sandwiches. Right, <laughs> right, right. But I mean, it's it's been nice. I, I was just in Puerto Rico, but it was for five minutes because we just turned right back around and I was so bummed, you know, I just wanted to just, just 
for like 10 Listen, minutes. Let me feel the sunshine. Yeah, let me feel exactly. the sunshine. Do you have friends and family who are like, hey, how do I get uh, your, you only have like, I think you have a list of people mm-hmm. that you, that are your approved Yeah, so travelers. that's funny that you mentioned that because right away you get um, benefits for your parents oh. and your children, oh. like starting at day one. Oh. So my parents can fly free. My kids can fly free. And then after you, you know, are with the company six months, then you have your, like, buddy passes, right? right? So when they're telling us all of this in training, I'm like, oh, my God, I see what my mother did. She's about to retire. <laughs> She's about to retire in two years. Yes. And I said, well played, lady. Well played. Well played. And did she pick the airline she thought you should apply for? <laughs> the one she already has right. miles on? Right. And like, she gets points right. for, like, ordering stuff on the plane. It's yeah. Like, oh, my God. That's amazing. Uh, let me. Uh, oh, we're gonna go to a caller. Let's listen. Awesome. Jim in Chicago is on the line. Hey, Jim, what's on the, what's on your mind, my friend? Hi, uh, you young ladies. You're talking about money and how tight it was. Yeah. I got a chance. Uh, if we buy one of Trump's uh, his relics from one of his suits, yeah, he's selling his. How about his socks? His socks have got to be worth. Oh, why? Why do I think about this man's feet? This man's thick. Nailed, God. just they're probably the heels are all well, cracked like a dry piece. Yeah, they, they, like, yeah, it's they, like you turn them yeah, inside out; they're yeah, snowing yeah, with yeah, just yeah, flakes dead of dead skin. skin. Uh, yeah, good, Jim. Sorry. Exactly. You know exactly. Right. Going, you're exactly right. Somebody's already described this feat. Somebody actually had the unfortunate uh, experience. Uh, happens to have to see him in person. But anyway, he's selling his clothes. He's selling his the outfit that he wore. He's got the trading. Cards, ninety nine bucks a piece, yeah. which is probably yeah. a bargain. You know, you got to get fifty. I don't know if you play poker with them or what. Ninety nine, you need. I don't know how many you need. But the clothes. Think of it. A hundred years from now, you turn an antique road show. But the problem with the clothes is. <laughs> but the problem That's with funny. the clothes is, you almost need a DNA test. Because he's so unscrupulous that he sell you. He'd probably sell you any oh, sure. of clothes. Yeah, the, there's you, you have to get a DNA. Did he yeah, have to have a yeah. DNA test that it actually touched his skin? You follow my reasoning? Yeah, he's gonna come you back. Know. He's gonna come back three uh, three quarters dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, you, you guys have a great night. Thank you very Thanks, much, guys. Bye bye. Thanks, Jim. The, the other quarters ass. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're we're talking a little bit about about politics and in particular how it affects your family. Are your parents still together? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So they're are they gonna, so you're saying they're going to start taking trips together? Oh yeah. 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 I mean, we I was just in Honduras with both of them. So my grandfather, um, he passed away last year. So we did a memorial service out there. So this is in May. I'd never been to Honduras before. It is one of the most dangerous countries in the world. It is no joke. Uh, I my aunt and I were we took a little um, plane from. So we were in Tegucigalpa, which is the you know, the capital. And we went up to the coast to take a ferry to one of the islands. So Honduras has some of the best snorkeling and scuba diving oh, nice. like in the world. It's renowned, right? So they have this um, big island called Roatan and then there's smaller islands. So we were going to stay at the smaller island called Utila and I did an Airbnb. The place looked like a Corona commercial. Okay. It was right on the beach. It was amazing. But our plane was late leaving the airport from Tegucigalpa to La Ceiba, which is um, the northernmost town where you pick up the ferry to take you to these islands. Okay. La Ceiba is so dangerous. I looked up the crime rate. 13% of the time, 
you are safe in the daytime. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm texting my parents like we missed the ferry and I didn't find, I didn't know this until I came back and my dad tells me, he's like, you know, when you told us you didn't make the ferry, he's like, I didn't think you guys were going to make it. Oh my. He's like, I made you make make it, make make it, it, make it. Yeah. Like he was planning like a memorial service for us. He was like, he gave us a 50, 50 and I, you know, now we can laugh about it, but in the moment, it was insanely dangerous. It, it really was because you can't trust any of the shuttle drivers there, the taxi drivers, and and now our ferry left, and we have to find lodging in this right. very dangerous town. And people, well, let's talk about this when we come back. We're gonna take a break. We're hanging out with uh, with Tony Arcelia Arcelie Arcelie. Now I'm all in my head. Your name, <laughs> Tony Arcelie. She's uh, one of the producers, promoters, and a host of the show tonight here at the River Room, uh, which is attached to the Burning Bush Brewery on. Rockwell near Irving Park Road. The show, the doors are at 7. The show is at 7.30. And uh, we look forward to seeing some folks. I know we have a, a winner from uh, the other day when Soli was on. We'll check in with Soli in just a little bit. When we come back, continue our conversation on WCPT 820, Heartland Signal. Alexa, play WCPT. WCPT from TuneIn. Hey there, it's your guy Warren Price from European and U.S. Collision Repair, a division of Technicraft Body Shops. We specialize in automobile and truck repair as well as normal automobile maintenance. With our highly skilled technicians and environmentally friendly materials, we strive for quality. Call 773-248-1200, that's 773-248-1200 or europeanus.com. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez. There's so much that goes on behind closed doors. On WCPT 820. We are broadcasting live from the Burning Bush Brewery on Rockwell near Irving Park Road. Right across the street from that park. Is that Revere? Revere Park. Mm-hmm. And uh, we and not far from Horner Park, because that's mm-hmm. where I played softball. Did you play softball? I played softball, softball too. Yeah. yeah. Wait, now, what year did you graduate? 98. 98. Okay, fine. <laughs> 89. Class 89. What position did you play? I was second base and catcher. You guys, uh, let me just say, I'm not saying that you should say thank you, but when we played, we fought for new uniforms. They had us in the most hideous, dill green, fluorescent colored uniforms, and I fought for them to be at least somewhat as... Forest pres- green? We were, they were like yeah, forest, forest green. green. Yeah. yeah, for them to at least be, well, like, pickle green. I mean, this was like the most hideous green. Ooh. And like the cat, I was not the captain, but the Patty Zolke was really annoyed that I was fighting for uniforms, but I'm like, we should have some dignity when we're playing. That was one of the things I fought for. Yeah. Uh, and more comfortable. They were really horrible, like this thick polyester that was just nasty. Did you vote for the new mascot? They, you know, they wanted to change the mascot. The, I don't know. The Native American? Yeah. They did. They, it went through. I didn't vote for I didn't vote either way. I had way. such a great, great, and I had the support of other alumni that, you know, so my, I wanted us to be called the Lane Tech Heroes. Yes. As, as you know, homage to the hero sub sandwich and also like. Oh my God. That know, was so good. Right? I didn't even put those two things together. Yeah. So it was like multi and then like our, our, you know, symbol could be a shield, you know, yeah. so it's like non-binary. Right. Right. And then the, the motto was going to be Lane Tech where everyday heroes are made. Come on. What did they go? Because I, I voted. With, I, like, I, I voted for. Turtle I voted something. No. Something. Not so great. Turtle, Myrtle, the Myrtle, Turtle. Something. No, I think I be don't call me fearless and bold for the Myrtle, Myrtle and the it was gold. like Myrtle the Turtle. Oh God, Sully's looking at us like yeah. 
go lane for here for you for we're here to cheer for you go lane to you will there be true be fearless and bold for the myrtle and the gold gold add old laurels to our fame go lane go go lane we're with you go lane we'll cheer you go lane and win this game just take this as a little tip we're bound to win the championship so go lane go lane go we're with you go lane go lane go hit him high hit him low go lane go so I know I know two thirds. <laughs> I have to sing. Amazing. We have to sing it all the time. I was on the swim team too, so we sang it at uh, every. Meet. I was also on the swim team um, to stay in shape for the softball team, but we did not have to sing ever. I had Coach Pretzel for swimming. I had Coach Marshall. Coach Marshall was teaching, was doing swim team. Yeah, he eventually got fired. Yeah, I would imagine because of some. Yeah, like, there were quite really a few yeah. bad stuff. Yeah. yeah, there were quite a few that had that Mr. problem. Mr. Marshall, Coach Willingham was our so- a softball oh, coach. Yeah, he, he was, was my okay. gym teacher. Was he? He did not like coaching the girls when he started. I was just there for his first year. Hmm. He was not a fan of having it because he had been a baseball coach, and you know we had girls that were pulling their ponytail through the ear hole of the batting helmet. <laughs> And, you know, breaking nails and getting upset about it. and Like, they, it, it, he, we, he had a hard time fielding a team. There were games when we only had eight players. It was, I mean, Whoa. there was not a lot of enthusiasm for the softball team in 1989. No. And the team champions in, uh, the city champions in Chicago at the time was my best friend's team. She played for Taft. Really? Yeah, Taft oh, used to be. slaughtered them all the time. Oh, no. Taft used to be the powerhouse back in the 80s. Yes. Yeah. And, we, and uh, playing it, can you believe how nice that field is now? It's insane. Yeah. It's really yeah, so jealous. I know. We had, like, rocks and gravel yeah. out in the baseball field. Yeah, you or we had roll a corner. ankle, yep. you know, yep. running out there. So funny, we, we did the same sports. We did not have to sink for, for swim team. <laughs> We were talking about uh, 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 Tony Arsali is uh, the, one of the, the promoters, the producers, and the comics on the show tonight at the Laugh Lounge here at the River Room at Burning Bush Brewery, which is located on Rockwell, right by Irving Park Road across from Revere Park. So I got it all. And uh, we are, we, the doors are open at 7. The show starts at 7.30. We've got Nana Rodriguez, Amy Nicole Schwartz. Uh, we've got Avril Granado. And I'm going to say everything with it. Avril. Avril? Mm-hmm. I'm going to say everything with a Spanish accent. Avril. 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 Granado. And Angie McMahon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was saying Mac Mahone, so Mac Mah- that's better. <laughs> You're saying it better than me. I wonder if it's a Scottish name. We'll have to ask her when she gets here. Uh, we were talking a little bit about. Um, we talked. Uh, we had Jim call about President Trump selling his. So he's he's cutting up his suits and selling them wow. as souvenirs for people. And before the show, you and I were talking a little. I asked if, if you, you know, were following a lot of political stories, which I think is a weird way. I, I didn't even mean to put it that way because I mean, so much of what affects us, we don't really even realize is political. Like when I started doing stand-up comedy, uh, they always told me I wasn't edgy enough, even though I was talking about my my background being Latina. Mm-hmm. I'm like that in and of itself is edgy because there were no Latinas. None. When you talk about how when, when you started, I was the only Latina doing comedy in the '90s. And, uh, and the only two women headlining were Diana Limo, who sadly passed away in 2001, and Sonia White. And, and, like, it's been very hard. I mean, the clubs in Chicago, until the Laugh Factory showed up, uh, were very dismissive of women mm-hmm. on comedy shows. Let me tell you something. When I started, like, 12 years ago, they would not book more than one female on a show. Oh, that's so because, true. Yeah. Because they would say, uh, no, nah, you guys are going to talk about the same things. And then... Um, last year, they did the first ever um, Latina comedy, stand-up comedy festival, and there was like 17 of us. We all had five minutes. Not one of us had yeah. overlapping material. Yeah. And I was like, that's great. And then, so tonight's lineup, right, just so happens to be all women. Like, yeah. not that we did that on purpose. It's just yeah. like, who's available, you know? And I remember solely, like, it, when it hit her, she was like, hey, like, th- that's that's 
that's not like a thing, right? And I said, you know what? That's crazy that we had, we even have this thought in our head because men never think that. No. The number of shows I see with all men, pretty much every day. Yeah. And now now one of those promoters is going to be like, you think, should we we have a, throw in a a girl in here just to, you know, not one. Yeah. So I'm like, no. I'm like, do we have some solid, oh my God, amazing line of the show. It's going to be so great. I can't wait. I'm excited. Yeah. You know what I get mad at myself for? I always make sure there are women. I try to make sure I have as many people of, of all kinds of backgrounds ethnicities, you know, people of color. Uh, but I, whenever I look at it, I'm like, why do I keep, even even me, like, I'll be like, I'm not balancing this out with, like, who's doing how much time, who, you know what I mean, and uh, who's closing the show. So I try to make sure that I've got, like, Kelsey Huff or I've got Kristen Toomey or Soli or somebody, you know, and I and I love that I'm working with you. I haven't worked with you in how long? Well, because I took a, a, a break. Yes. I took a really I'm long so break. I'm yeah. I really just got back to it, and, and, it's, and it's so scary because it's Come to the up, Laugh Factory with me. Uh, I, I, yes. Um, All right, January. So, last, last Sunday in yeah. January. So the thing for me, the, the, <laughs> I do. This a, the thing for me with stand up oh, is, is that when it, can you work? When, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll see if I'm, if I'm, I'll put you up, but I'll put you on the list. Yeah. And if you're not yeah. working that night, yeah. you're on the show. I'll be your backup. Yeah. yeah. You're on my backup. Let me <laughs> Just that you couldn't make it. Um, I, I love, I love what it does for you as a as an individual because it forces you out of your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. You are faced with this like immense fear, right? Of like, oh my god, like I think it, this is funny that I wrote. Like, are other people gonna think it? You know? Um, and so it could be really crippling. But when you're able to like confront it, and there's times where it, your stuff doesn't work, right? Yeah. And then you're just like, okay, that didn't work, and like now I gotta figure this out, you know? And um, but so many people are so scared of just even a little bit of failure. Right. And and I'm one of those people too. Sure. So I have to force myself to keep going. And you know, I stepped away, my kids were little, and you know how hard it is when you have kids and I was a single mom right. raising them, so I couldn't be out at the open mics, you know, two, three nights a week. And um and you know, and I saw my friends, you know, Gwen and Soli like just grow and blossom and they're doing stuff all over the country and I'm and I was so proud and happy for them, but at the same time I knew I'm like, you know, if I would have just stood, stayed with it, you know, I'd be doing the same maybe. But for me, I felt like comedy is always going to be there. But right. me with my kids raising them, like that's not. Right. And now they're 22 and 20. So now they come to the shows and are totally embarrassed when I start talking about like dating and stuff. And they're like, Ugh. how how many shows have they been to? Um, pretty much uh, every show that I've done. Are they coming tonight? No, because oh. my daughter's in uh, at the University of Colorado, and my son's at Fort Bragg. He's in the army. Oh wow! So, Look at you, yeah. Mama. Yeah. So, but they were here um, in the summertime because okay. my daughter was here before school, and uh, and yeah, you know. Do you think that uh, with the time away from comedy, also gives you have more wisdom, you have more experience, yeah. you have different things to talk about? One of the things that I uh, and I and I talk about, you know, the pandemic was a pause for a lot of people, except for like online, but when you're online, you're like, I'm going to do all my old stuff, because <laughs> this is hard. Yeah. Um, I don't know how you guys did that. Um, I, well, because of radio. So I can talk to nobody. Not, <laughs> I mean, I know you guys are all out there, everybody. I don't mean you're not, I don't mean you're nobody, but I can sit in a room yeah. and talk, knowing that, you know, it lands for somebody. Even if, like, when I did one of my first remotes, uh, people were coming up to me, and they're like, I've been wanting to meet you. Sometimes I, f- I don't know if people are listening. I don't know how it lands for them. So, by the way, listeners, I do love hearing from you and meeting you and that's why I would love for you to come out to the to the River Room yes, for the Laugh Lounge. Um, but 
Kevin Bozeman, uh, you know, there's material I've been doing for a really long time. Some things that I probably will never stop doing, which is like the stirrups. Like I'll never, because it, 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 even if it's one woman that realizes that every woman hates having a pap smear, mm-hmm. like that's, that's in the win column for me. It just is. And, uh, and so I don't, I have, I have no guilt about that or shame. I still have jokes that you've done that like live rent free in my mind. <laughs> Like, I have a friend who says that I have one. Yeah. I pull them out all the time. I'll say to Soli, you know, some, you know, some stuff. And she's like, I forgot about that one. I'm like, how could you forget? It's so great. Like, I love the one when you were talking about people saying things to you and then you were you're like, pew, 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 and you're, yeah, you know. My mental space. Yes. Thank you. Yes. I love that joke. Oh, yeah. thank you. Thank you. Oh, See? no. But my favorite one was when... Uh, yeah, you're talking about your son being in the stroller, oh, and yeah. he's like, "Oh, no, no, stroller, stroller, stroller." And you're like, "It's my husband." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Well, I and, love that. and that, to that though, like Kevin Bozeman said, you know, I know who that mom was. Like, who's this mom now? And I'm like, this is a tired mom. That's I'm exhausted. Yeah, you know. And I and I also I think when you talk about the for me the fear is always wanting to get booked again. Right. Even though I'm now at the point where I'm producing. Oh, I still have that fear of like, I'll see my calendar go. Oh, I'm still going to be a com- comedian in February because I booked a couple dates. Like I 20, you guys, it'll be 30 years, I think. Wow. Next year, maybe. Wow. I should check. I should check and see what that is. Yeah. It'll be 30 years next in February. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's right. Hi, everybody. <laughs> at any rate. Um, so, and I also, I do no politics. I started out as a political comedian. And uh, I did jokes about Strom Thurmond and Jesse Helms and, uh, and about conservatives. Like, I started out wanting to uh, talk about misogynists and uh, people who were uh, not open to equality. And this is in 1995 I yeah. wanted to push back about against the things that have blossomed into what we are living under now. Mm-hmm. Um, and you were mentioning that your dad uh, is uh, lost a friendship over politics. He did, yeah. My dad, my dad um, his first language is Spanish. And, you know, he can speak English. He's got a strong accent. But, you know, he communicates much better in Spanish. But he is obsessed with politics. Like, he watches all of the shows like on like every everything cnn you know fox um msnbc he wants to see it all all the bad the good like yeah. all of it and so what i what i admire about him is that he's not just so one-sided that he won't listen to the other side he'll listen to it and watch it <laughs> but I think it's only for him to be like, and that's why they suck. And that's why, you know. <laughs> and here's where you're wrong. Yeah. That's what I do. And that's what one of our listeners, Roosevelt, listens. He's, he's a Spanish speaker. And he's Mexican. And he listens to the Spanish stations. Because, you know, there's a lot of conservative propaganda going on oh, Spanish yeah. speaking stations now, too. Yeah. And he'll call them and, and say, like, this is BS what you're mm-hmm. spreading out here. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And, and so I love that your dad does that. So he does. But the thing is, so now that, you know, I'm, I'm living back at home with the Uh-oh. parents, right? So I get to see it. So, you know, Saturday morning. My mom's making breakfast. I'm sitting at the table. And then uh, my dad will start, you know, talking about something. And I look at my mom and she just rolls her eyes. Like she's got her back to him so he doesn't see it. And she rolls her eyes so hard. And she just takes a deep breath. And he's like, and, and another thing. And then, you know, and this guy and then Trump, this and Trump. that. And I'm like, mm, mm-hmm, okay. You know, and he's just so he's passionate. Consu- he's, but is he consumed he's by so, it? Yeah, to yeah. the point where it's like... It, you, it's better you don't talk about it because it's going to go on and on and on. Right. And uh, and then it's like, well, how do you transition from this topic to like, so are we going to Target then? Like, right. You know, like, how do you... So so it's it's intense when he gets into these talks. So his friend, who was his co-worker and like his best friend, um, he's, you know, affiliated with the Republican Party. My dad's a strong Democrat. 
and they started talking about politics and it ruined their friendship and wow. they it, you know he just is he just does not feel like the Republican party does anything for the everyday you know, worker. Well, you know? right. And the thing that I've come to, like I had, I had a judge, I was at a fundraiser and a judge came up to me and said, I love your show. I don't agree with your politics, but I enjoy listening to you. And I'm like, it's, he goes, we differ on politics. And I'm like, uh, we probably differ on morals. And I think that's where your dad comes from. Yeah. yeah. It's the morality of it. I, I, I've said this before. Uh, it, it, you know, anyone who says that they're going to vote for Trump because he's a Republican, they can't vote for a Democrat. I'm like, you are belly up at the bar drinking the juice of racism, misogyny, yeah. uh, hating labor. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I, I just don't have, so I, I, what I'm saying is I can see your dad's point of view. <laughs> no, no. And I, and I get it too, but like, the, it's you know, exhausting for everyone around him, you know, and then just trying to like, for example, freedom of speech, right. And all this. And I was trying to get him to understand that in the United States, we have freedom of speech. Right. And he's like, but that's wrong. I go, I'm not saying that there aren't consequences. There are consequences right. yes. for what you say, but you are still free to say whatever you want to say. And he just he just could not understand why certain like politicians aren't locked up for saying certain things. And I'm like, because it's for not Honduras, right. okay? <laughs> He's, you know, that's why. Right. You know, and um, and so it's the for him it's more of coming from a third world country where you know you will be killed if you oppose you know what the regime is and. And now being here, and it's like you've got this freedom, but like, why are people allowed to say things and they do you, shouldn't? Do you, you think know? he has a fear of this being? Because there is, I heard a, a guest on oh. Jones' show that uh, was it on Jones' show that uh, that um, Trump is an uh, authoritarian narcissist. He told my, my dad straight up said yeah. he was like, if Trump wins this election, he's like, the democracy is dead. He's like, we're done with this whole country is done. He's like, that's it. Like, he's he has a very strong fear over it. And I still don't even understand, like, why are we even talking about him? Like, he's on trial. Like, how are we talking about him in the same sentence of voting for him? Like, that's insane to me. My, my issue has been, and probably why your father, the relationship with his friend ended, is that what's a bigger problem for me are the people who like Trump. Yeah. Who still buy into it. Like, and, and it's not like, like a problem in the sense that they are so dug in to whatever ideology, whether it's, you know, this, this abortion issue mm-hmm. and saying, I mean, they've shown us who they are in Texas. There was a woman, I don't know if you followed the story, who has, who has a fetus that has a fetal, condi- a fatal, sorry, a fatal condition. It's not survivable. And they will not let her have a termination for her pregnancy. The Supreme Court. And and all these people who said, well, of course I think there should be exceptions. They're lying. They're telling us exactly who they are. That They're saying there are no exceptions unless she is at death's door. Unless she becomes septic and all of her organs fail, then we will consider giving her an abortion. Or unless it's my mistress and I don't want my (laughs) wife to find out. Literally. That's it. Absolutely. That's the only other exception. Yep. Let's take a break here because uh, uh, Tony Arsali uh, just put a put a pin in it and uh, put it where it belongs, and, and that's absolutely true. Unless it's unless it's to their benefit, they don't want us to be able to have access to health care. Let's take a break here. We're at the River Room, uh, which is attached to the br- br- the uh, burning uh, burning bush brewery. <laughs> Right off of Irving Park Road on Rockwell, across from Revere Park. The show is at 7.30. Doors open at 7 o'clock. We would love to see you. There's time to get here. More, more in a moment on WCPT 820, Heartland Signal. Chicago's Progressive Talk, WCPT 820, where facts matter. 
Hey there, it's your guy, Warren Price, from European and U.S. Collision Repair, a division of Technicraft Body Shops. We specialize in automobile and truck repair as well as normal automobile maintenance. With our highly skilled technicians and environmentally friendly materials, we strive for quality. Call 773-248-1200. That's 773-248-1200 or europeanus.com. Patty Vasquez is taking your calls now at 773-763-9278. Driving it home with Patty Vasquez now on WCPT 820. We are broadcasting live from the Burning Bush Brewery on Rockwell, right across from Revere Park off of Irving Park Road. I'm hanging out with Tony Arsali because she has a show tonight with a co Produced with Soli Santos. Am I saying all that right? Yeah, co-hosted, yeah, co-hosted, too. co-hosted, and co-produced with Soli Santos. Soli's coming on in just a moment, and then, again, it's in the River Room. The doors open at seven. The show is at seven thirty, and they've got great, they've got great beer. Do they have a kitchen too, or is it just beer? Um, I think they've it's just got beer. small thing, like, like small things. But you know what's great about this place is that you can bring your own food. So at the comedy show, people show up with like a box of pizza, you know, and they're it's great and so small things but um, it's dog friendly too I mean yeah bring oh yeah I've seen, I've seen a couple of dogs yeah. I was trying to get a, uh, around a dog when we were running in and I'm like I have to plug in right now because you're like I'm knocking over tables slowly and I'm like <laughs> what's your past Tony I'm like yeah. there's a dog in my yeah. I'm like excuse me excuse me dogs don't uh, take excuse me very well they don't seem to understand the uh, up. the rules of the road. Uh, so you are you're, you're working for American Airlines. You're do, you're producing comedy shows and performing again. Uh, how are you taking care of yourself with everything that's crazy? Living with your parents again? Are you meditating? Are you Am going I supposed to, to do that? Yes. Oh Jesus! They, just, they you know they call it the self care, which sounds yeah. so touchy feely. Self-care. I'm here to remind you. Um, I think my self care is when I sleep. <laughs> no, I you know movies, reading. Um, Hmm. You know, I I would say I like to zone out a lot and okay. just like be in my own space and just like not be bothered by anybody or anything. Yep. And for me right now, that's my self care because I do need to like just not have any kind of any anybody come in asking me for anything. So well, just, especially like, as a flight attendant. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, I don't think I, I'm trying to think if I've ever used the uh, flight attendant button. On a, you know. Can I tell you something? I didn't even know that there was a button because I've never used it until we were in training. I was like, there's a button? For the, like, we can call them? I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> and I, w- I do wish Virgin Airlines had that great thing where you could order from the screen. So they didn't have to push the whole cart up and down every single time. There was a touch screen on Virgin Airlines. So if you wanted a drink, you just push it and then I don't I don't like that now now that now, doing what I do now because I'm just thinking all of these custom orders and you have to <laughs> no I'd rather just be like pretzels or cookies pretzels right. or cookies so how do I so if I want something after the car let's say I'm on a four hour flight to Los Angeles like I was last week and I want another car so I, should I push the button yeah. and ask you for another yeah that's totally fine that. that's totally fine and technically like we're supposed to go and, and do you know walkthroughs every 15 minutes I do because I'm on probation so I'm like a by-the-book buddy, right? Sure. I'm doing everything. I don't want to get called out on anything. So I will, but I feel like most people don't really ask. And what I've been doing, though, I've been picking up flights that are either really early in the morning or very late at night because Ooh. people are sleeping. Yes. So I, I like, fly both those. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Yep. Like, less, less, you know, interaction. You know? I had a flight. Uh, I had a flight last Monday. I caught the first flight out. I was so surprised. I, I wanted to get everyone's email. It was the nicest flight I've ever been. The, the crew, 
the passengers, the woman in front of me looked back and said, is it okay if I recline my seat? Aww. Which I do too. But I was yeah. like, nobody else has, no one's ever asked me. And I'm short, yeah. so I don't mind. If I, and, and if I, someone said no, I would eat it and not, and not yeah. recline. Well, if you've got your tray down in a drink and someone reclines it, like that drink's getting spilled. Yeah, I've, you know? I've actually, it was a flight, it, we hit a bump as a flight attendant was passing me a drink. Wiped out my motherboard. So I never have my laptop. Oh, I try not to put a laptop on my tray at all. I'll bring like a oh, tablet no. or something because, yeah. yeah, I was like, no. So, you know, I, I was never really concerned about turbulence until now. And now I'm like, oh, it's a, it's a real, it's a scary thing. And I've, I've been on flights where it's just been very light, nothing crazy. But a friend of mine was telling me that... Um, so what's supposed to happen is your captain gets on and tells you, prepare for landing. Um, oh. And, you know, you, you start closing things and latching them and make sure there's no glasses anywhere so that it's safe for landing. Well, the captain never made the announcement. She said glass shattered everywhere. The flight attendants were running no. to their jump seats and they're, like, hanging on for dear they just life. For, the pilot just forgot? He forgot. I, I don't know. like that at all. No, I know. And so, you know, I'm, I'm so new to all of this. And, um, and you know, some of the, you know, the, 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 the stuff that I'm hearing from flight attendants with more experience is that, you know, some pilots will be very forthcoming and others really won't. So it's almost like when you're feeling it, you've got to call in and be like, hey, should, uh, should we sit down? Should, like, <laughs> what, what do you think we should do right now? You know, I'm going to need a little guidance here. Yeah. I'll give you a quick story before we go to the break, uh, and we'll turn it over to, to Soli in a moment. I was on a. I used to be very afraid to fly when I was younger, and uh, I only broke it because I had to do road gigs and there was uh, flying everywhere. I did sometimes seven flights in a weekend, but we were flying to London, and uh, we were we hit some a storm, so we kept circling like over the English Channel and and like over. We were like flying over Paris, like which would be cool, only we were landing, and it was a storm, and I was scared, and I was gripping the armrests. And finally, I turned to Steve, and I go, that's a lot of lightning. He goes, that's just the light on the end of the wing, right? And as soon as I relaxed, and then, boom, we got hit by lightning. Oh, and the whole plane, and, like, you know, the plane is designed to take that. But, uh, like, after a minute, the, the pilot came. I was like, ah, oh, that's a little closer than we like to get to lightning. I just thought it was so fun. I had just relaxed, thinking that we were... <laughs> And uh, and it was funny. It will. I I, I want to say that I have had such incredible exchanges with flight attendants. I'm so I, I'm so excited for you to get to travel yeah. and have a new experience. And and are you allowed to make jokes about your work? Do you know, you know so we're gonna find out. I guess uh, <laughs> we'll find out today. Well, well, you know. It's, well, I think as a standard, you don't need to say who you fly for. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Exactly. Think, yeah. Uh, we don't know. No. No harm. No, no foul. Exactly. I'm just saying. Right. Um. You know. And it's it's they have a very strict you know social media policy and all of that. Right. But I don't put anything on there right you know and um and i i'm very grateful to be employed by them and, and i may switch airlines just because of you yay i'm just saying I, awesome. might, I can build that up. i have an account i just, <laughs> I just I, I'm, I'm knee deep in you know i have to say all of the flight attendants that i have flown with have been incredible yeah like, i've literally taken us all under their wings and i always tell them like this is like my fourth flight they're like oh my god <laughs> you're gonna be fine okay whatever you need and they're just so helpful. Like, I had a passenger who was coming back from um, a continuing uh, training. You've got to go to training once a year. And she comes over to me and she says, hey, I just, you know, left training in Dallas. If you need anything at all, let me know. She's like, I just reviewed all of the medical emergencies. So she's like, let me know. And I'm like, I hope to God that I never have to use that information because that's good the to have. one. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. 
Tony Arsenley, come see her tonight at the River Room, where we've got the Laugh Lounge Comedy Showcase coming up at 7.30. It's uh, the Burning Bush Brewery over on Rockwell near Irving across from Revere. Let's take a break here when we come back with Soli Santos in just a moment. Thank you, Tony. Thank you. More in a moment on WCPT 20 Heartland Signal. Because facts matter. You are listening to WCPT 820. Driving it home. With Patty Vasquez, Patty Vasquez. From global conflicts to greenhouse gases. The folks refusing to wear masks says. And politicians getting caught grabbing asses says. She's driving it home with Patty Vasquez. And we are live broadcasting from the Burning Bush Brewery on Rockwell near Irving Park Road. And hello to our friends in Minneapolis-St. Paul listening on KTNF 950 AM. When you're in Chicago, you've got to come to our comedy show at the River Room. Tonight, it's a Laugh Lounge produced, co-produced and co-hosted by Soli Santos and Tony Arsali, who we just talked to a moment ago. Soli joins me on the air right now. Soli, I'm so excited. It's so great to be back. Thank you. I love I this th- show. I, th- I love having you on the show, both of you. I love being on the show. I, uh, we, I, I, this neighborhood fascinates me because, uh, you know, we didn't even, Tony and I didn't even talk about the neighborhood that we went to high school in. Where, now, what neighborhood did you grow up in? I know I've asked before. I grew, I grew up in, in the Wrigleyville neighborhood when it was uh, Lakeview, and it, Wrigleyville technically <laughs> did not exist because it was the hood at the time. Yeah. I remember because my, so my brother, who, you know, uh, died when he was very young, uh, grew up uh, two doors down from that Taco Bell. On, oh, yeah. on Addison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I've, oh I've, I've met a lot of his friends in the last few years when, when the story came out about his death. And, uh, and they've told me about like how sketchy that neighborhood was. Yeah. He would catch the bus uh, Addison up to another friend's house in another neighborhood. And I visited that area. It's very residential. Um, but over here, it was like, there was like, there was like gay. It was pepper. the hood. Yeah, yeah, it was the hood. Yeah. People don't, a lot of people don't really realize that because that was like in the 80s. Yeah. And so most people don't remember that. They just think of it as like this, the gentrified neighborhood that it is now. But it was not when I was growing up. It How was, weird is Ridley it was it was it was wild. I mean, it, it was gang infested, yeah. and it had and, and a lot of garbage. If I remember, correctly. yes, yeah. a lot of it's, uh, around the park. Yeah. It was a lot of garbage around the park. But um, uh, I, what I do miss is the yum yum donuts that used to be right yes. in front of the park on Clark Street. I, to yes. this day, I still miss Aww. yum yum donuts because they were just so. I just remember, and they were literally on the Wrigleyville campus, which is. Like it's on, it was on the side of the park, right? You know, which was the only thing that was on the side of the park. That was the only like little business that was this right. tiny little donut shop. I hope they owned the building and made a lot of money. I hope so too. Right? That's the only yeah. thing I can hope for because it is so Disney-fied over there. Yes, it's it, it's a circus it's, now. It's unrecognizable. It really yes. is. It, <laughs> it, was, it was a circus. Yeah, I, I um, and growing up in, on the northwest side, like I was thinking about. Oh, you know what I found out today? Uh, I was I was listening to them talk about the Iowa caucus. You know, Iowa is the first state to go with like talk, you know the candidates and things like that. Sure. And they were saying that should Iowa be first because Iowa is so white. Mm-hmm. You know, and it does reflect the Republican Party. It is eighty. It is eighty five percent white, which I thought that's pretty white. That right? is pretty white. You know what? Ha- you know what? How what Vermont's whiteness is? Vermont. It's in the nineties, isn't it? Ninety nine point nine. So that's apparently, great, great. apparently, it's like going to uh, Switzerland. What? <laughs> right. I'm just saying, if you're going to Vermont, you may as well go to Switzerland. It's very white. I've never been to Vermont. It's 99.9% white. 
Wow. Yeah. Okay. Isn't that crazy? I mean, like, I, and I wonder about things like, like, did black people, brown people try to move there and they weren't allowed? Do we avoid it? Do we not? I was just going to say, Mexicans yeah. Mexicans and like, Latinos will we'll migrate anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, we'll open up. They, Especially the lighter you are, you can pass a little bit right. easier, you know? You're saying I should move to Vermont. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm saying that, I'm saying that also included as a pale Latina, you know, like, I, I my mother moved to Chicago from Puerto Rico when she was six. Right. Right. And so, and she's always lived on, by the lakefront. Um, you know, her whole entire childhood was by the lake. Right. Her whole life has actually been living by the lake at different parts of the lake. And she told me that one, one area she lived in was predominantly like Italian. And the landlord, when they were renting an apartment, they, the only reason why they let my mom and my grandparents, when she was a kid and her brother and sister right. live in the apartment building was because they were like, oh, you look, you're white enough. You look white enough that we're going to let you live here. Wow. And that's the only reason why they got away with living in that neighborhood. Because oh, yeah, my parents sure. didn't, my grandparents didn't speak any English. Right. You know. Do you but speak Spanish? I do, but I'm a I, I was a no sabo kid when I was a little no when I when I when I, when, I, yeah. when I was a little kid I was yeah. a no sabo kid. So meaning for those of you for the audience who doesn't know what that is, um, a no sabo kid is uh, the nickname for for Latino kids that that Spanish speaking children that are supposed to be Spanish speaking. Right. Their parents are Spanish speaking. They come from Spanish speaking countries, but they do not know how to speak Spanish. And the no sabo comes from the correct form being no, no sé, no which sé. is, I don't know. Yep. But most were, most uh, verbs conjugated when you talk about yourself in Spanish end in an O, but no sé does not. No. It's an irregular verb. And so when, pe- when kids are trying to guess how to say, they just assume it's no sabo because no. the word saber, saber. <laughs> it's a no. Right. Saber, yes. But when you conjugate it in reference to yourself, it's no se. And so kids say no sabo. And it's like, no, that's not how you said it. And I and I used to say it. I tried to, I did that. I had this whole who's on first with one of my grandmothers one time because she was like trying to say it in Spanish to me. Like, no, that's not right. But I kept, she kept saying, no, tu no sabes. Yo no sabes. No, tu oh, no sé. No, 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 that's you, why I can't yeah. speak Spanish is a verb. I, yeah. I can't do it. I'll tell you this though. I learned, I learned enough by high school that I could kind, I could get, I couldn't do a full conversation. Right. But I could get away with communicating with people, get my, my whole communication sure. across, whatever message they were yeah. trying to say to me. And when I was fresh out of college, I started a, work, uh, a job. In, I was a caseworker in foster care at an agency that's in Humble Park. And they needed, because it was Humble Park and we were catering to the Humble Park Logo Square, which was way more uh, a Latino population was higher back yeah, then. Right. Um, they were like, we, you need to be bilingual in order to work here, you know? And I remember being really nervous in the interview and telling my then supervisor, you know, I was like, oh, I, I, I know a little bit. I can communicate. I'm not great. And she, so she had me do part of the interview in Spanish. Oh, and so I did, wow. I did, but I did, it was very basic. I, I just said the, my name is, right. and I, I, I live here, you know? So she was like, no, it's good enough. And I was like, okay, great. And, um, and then another uh, girl was hired the same time I was, and apparently she lied. And two weeks later, they fired her because she oh, couldn't no. speak any Spanish. And I got scared. 
I yeah. was like, oh they're my God, they're going to fire me. They're going to fire me. And she was like, no, you're, you speak well enough right. that you're okay. And I'll tell you, that job... That's when I learned how to speak fluently because wow. I had to speak Spanish. Did you study every when, day? Did you study in addition to working with I, people? I, I studied it in high school and in college. Okay. You know, like the regular cl- yeah. language classes I that everybody you, I, does. I never but got the, it we because didn't. nobody applies it. And you, it, this is what I tell people: is that learning a language is a physical activity. Yes. You can't just read it in a book. You'll be able to comprehend it, you know, but you, to com- actually converse is a physical activity. Yeah. And, and I, I've had people be gentler with me because, uh, you know, I, when, when Griffin was born, I had it where my mom would speak Spanish to both me and Griffin. And, I, and so Griffin's fluent, by the way. Mm-hmm. Griffin knows oh, Spanish. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. He's, that's beautiful. He, he can speak Spanish. Well, because when, but when Declan was born, because they didn't know his quality of hearing, mm-hmm. they said, and his neurological disorder, they said, you can't have more than one language in the house. Mm-hmm. So I would have Griffin, like, talk to my mom downstairs and not have, so I haven't spoken Spanish on a regular basis since, uh, since 2005. I have the, you know what? I have a friend that her sister is deaf and they told them the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. That you can't Interesting. And, and like, why wouldn't you? Like you're, you're terrified that your child's not going to speak anything. Right. So you don't want to add more confusion and like right. they weren't sure the, like the, you know, being able to, uh, to m- mimic, you know, and socialize that way. Sure. You know what, what, what people don't, uh, it's hard to explain to people about Declan and we didn't know this until he got older. Declan doesn't actually have an ego. Um, he, you know, he doesn't have a sense. There's no sense of shame. There's no sense of pride. Oh, wow. In the sense, like, he just, he's going to do what he wants to do. And what you think about it doesn't matter to him, which is weird in the sense that, like, you need your ego to survive. Like, he has yeah. no survival instincts. Like, he'll be afraid of, like, he'll know if he's up high on the stairs, like, he should be careful. But other than that, like. He has he, no sense of danger? None. Like, he would wow. walk right into traffic. He does not, like, oh, yeah. And That's I, wild. And I've been putting that together recently as, like, you know, throughout the years, just sort of trying to explain to people. And that's where, because like learning, you, you feel proud when you get an A. You're embarrassed when you get a D. Yeah. And that's part of the, you know, and you want to make your parents proud, right? We, or we want, we want their love. Right. Or we want their, you know, approval. approval. Yeah. And he doesn't have, he like, oh. Do you know how many of us would be living happier lives? <laughs> and that's why I have that closing joke. That's, that's where that closing. You're like, I don't need to be a comedian. I don't need approval by strangers. <laughs> exactly. But that's the closing joke about Declan is that, uh, you know, Declan was tickling his neck because he can do that. And this guy was standing there looking at him and finally came over. He goes, you know how many drugs I got <laughs> to do? To be able like to that? feel that. Yeah. <laughs> to feel God. like that in the moment. Yeah. Right. Right, All right, that right. stuff. I'm so excited. We're at the uh, we're at the the Burning Brush Brewery on Rockwell near Irving Park Road. It's the Laugh Lounge in the River Room, straight in the back. Do people have to? Can they walk through the, the bar now, or do they? They have, can uh, walk through the bar, or they can go in through the alley. I know that sounds creepy, but it's a very nice, very beautifully lit. Um, that's on the side of the Burning Bush is. Brewery. It's yeah, like a beer it looks, garden almost. It, it like does. It, yeah. <laughs> Tony just said you guys, can, the audience can't hear, her, but she just said it looks like a Hallmark movie. That that so-called alley because yeah. it's so beautifully lit. So that. you know, don't be afraid to walk down that down that alley <laughs> towards the river. It's, it sounds so menacing. Walk down the alley towards the river. <laughs> It's not the Lakeview Alley of the 70s and 80s, okay? It's, oh, no. No, exactly. <laughs> it's on Rockwell near Riviera Park. Let's take a break here. Doors are opening in uh, 45 minutes at 7 o'clock, and the show will be at 7.30. So you've got time to get over here, folks. More in a moment on WCPTA 20 Heartland Signal and KTNF, 950 AM, Minneapolis-St. Paul. Hey, Google, play WCPT. Streaming Chicago's progressive talk from TuneIn. 
You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez. In your communities in Chicago. On WCPT 820. We are in your communities, and we are in Chicago. We are at the Burning Bush Brewery on Rockwell, right across from Revere Park off Irving Park Road. And joining us right now is Daniel Bohr. Is that right? It's pretty close. It's Adam Bohr. I've heard it both ways. Yep. I get the I get the last name right and the first name wrong. I don't know. It's an easy last name. I need name. a script in front of me, Adam. Adam Bohr joins us, and you are the manager here? Yes, I am. Excellent. Thank you for giving us the space and the opportunity to promote your venue. Uh, tell us a little bit about Burning Bush Brewery. So Burning Bush uh, opened up in March of uh, 2020, right before the pandemic oh went down. God. It was the you, worst. Have you been here since the beginning? So my wife has. She okay. was originally hired as a bartender here as the original crew. And then as things slowed down for work, I was looking for fun things to occupy my time. And I came here and helped them brew, helped them bartend in my downtime. And then we opened up a new event space this Beautiful year in April. Space. Thank yeah. you. That's where the comedy is tonight. Nice. Um, and I, they were looking for somebody to take over the management role there, so I stepped into that position and opened it, and now we're uh, almost a year into it. You guys got through the pandemic, which is fantastic. Were, were the, I mean, you guys doing growlers and stuff? I'm, I, there was a lot of drinking during the pandemic, not for nothing. That's the only reason we stayed open, because people still kept drinking. Yeah. So basically, we weren't allowed to have folks inside, and we weren't a dog-friendly bar. And then once the patio restrictions got lifted we opened it up to the public and had an outside patio dog friendly it went crazy and then all of a sudden the community sure found out about us yeah we were brand new so then folks started coming well this is and this this area so i lived in lincoln square briefly in the late 90s and that's where like the property values went through the roof in the 90s and you had a lot of young families moving here because of schools and things like that young professionals so this is a, this is really is a good area what, what were you doing before you uh, started working at burning brush so I, for the past 20 years, I worked in film production as okay. a location manager. And ah, I see. Now it's coming full circle about what happened during the strike. Indeed. Yes, I'm a strike captain for a second. Ah, after. Right thank, thank you. you. And, thank you and sorry. And thank you. Well, thank you. Thanks no, for thank bringing you. the business back. <laughs> We're trying. Yeah. We're try- are, you, now are you still working with the studios in Chicago with the, so any of the shows? I haven't in about a year. Wow. Okay. Since I took this role and since the strikes kind of started. I kind of liaised into a different career entirely. So yeah. I, I may go back to it at the right opportunity. If anybody's out there that wants to bring a film to Chicago and needs a location manager, let me know. Well, and this is something I didn't even talk to uh, Tony about, is that you know, people don't realize uh, over $500 million in revenue for, this, for the entire state of Illinois. Like, they basically crafted their budget counting on that, plus the permits, all the fees, all those things. So it hurt a lot of people. So yeah. I'm, I'm really sorry. I know that it was a necessary evil, but hearing about how it's affected people's lives yeah. has been a lot. This is a really beautiful space. So so let me go back even more then. Where'd you grow up, my friend? So I grew up in Chicago uh-huh. on the west suburbs, uh, Clarendon Hills. Okay. It's a far, far west suburb, small town. Uh, and then moved into Chicago after college, and I've been here for 25 years. Where'd you go to college? John Carroll University in Cleveland. Go Blue Streaks. Go Blue Streaks. What, what, what did you set out in life to do? What were you studying? Literally what we're doing right now. Okay. Audio and radio production. Get, the so, hu- get, the, get out of here. I've been told I have a face for radio. Stop. So. He's a very handsome man. <laughs> so this is a Comrex. Uh, is it a Comrex or a Tyline? I'm on a Tyline. I used to use a Comrex. Um, and you have a perfect location to broadcast from. Right by the windows. Right it works out very well. And so you uh, you end up moving to Chicago and, uh, and working in the film industry and now running this beautiful bar. 
Uh, what do you want people to know about this this location? Because the event space just opened up in April. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a great place. Like if you're having business meetings, if you're having a you know a rehearsal dinner kind of a situation, I would think. Really anything, yeah. We're yeah. open for you know anything above thirty people. Essentially, you can have a birthday party, graduation, a mitzvah, but typically. Our weekends are packed with weddings and or galas, um, but it's really anything, any party you want to bring our way that's up to 200 people, roughly. Okay. All right. That's good to know. Yeah. And you mentioned that during the pandemic, you helped with the brewing. Had you had experience as a brewmaster no. in your life or thought you would be? Nothing successfully. It's, it's bizarre. When I lived in Cleveland, I worked at a brewery called Buckeye Brewing Company when I was like 21, and it all came full circle when I took time off of the film industry and came back. I was like... What a great opportunity to get back to what I wanted to do 20, 20 years ago. Wow. So that bizarre. is wild. Yeah. And the owners, was this something, that a brainchild of, uh, tell us a little bit about the, the folks that started this beautiful joint. So Brent, the owner, is a former pastor. He's still a pastor. You don't lose that right. He had a parish in Oak Park that had folded, and he had been a home brewer for years with friends and what have you, and he decided, let's go for it. This is the time. Got it all for about a year, you know, from from March of 19, had started prepping the place. And then by the time the pandemic came, we had opened up, like, literally three days before. Oh, so, my God. Horrible timing. So, around St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, pretty yeah. much, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my. And you had massive construction on Irving Park Road for a long time, too, didn't the you? The bridge was under construction for a year and a half, our first year and a half. Oh, my it, God. Yeah. <laughs> but the amazing thing is now when you look out the event space, everything's clean and amazing because the corner park's done, the running path, all this stuff, just this beautiful, natural setting now. So Well, and that's the thing people don't realize is how much of the river you have, you know, that, that we, don't appre- we don't get the appreciate our river enough in Chicago unless you're downtown on the Riverwalk. There aren't many places where you can hang out on the river outside of downtown. It's and actually kind of like there was us, you know, Metropolitan, which unfortunately didn't, not going to make I, it for another, they may have closed, right? So this is I like think they this already week. had their last day, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. A but like those kind of places are on the river and there's, they're pretty limited. So we're pretty blessed that we have that here for the warmer months. How do you uh, describe some of your brews to folks when they ask you like, you know, what does this have notes of? Or, you know, what, what do people really, are they drawn to? What are they? What are they so like? our best seller is what Tony's drinking here, the Lion's Den Hazy IPA. It's kind of a common trend beer that most people gravitate to because it's fruity and yep. approachable. Yeah. Um, but we make every variety. Our brewers don't love making stouts and porters. Why is that? I, this is not their style that they like consuming. But now... Okay, fair. So Will, who's also a former film production... Oh, look at this. Guy in our, he's our assistant brewer now. He's also a film camera guy. So during the whole thing, he was like looking for more work too. And he decided to walk away and come here and help us brew. But he loves stouts and they just made an amazing stout. Oh, there you go. Oh, I will have to check that out. out What kind of notes does that have? I don't want to speak for it. I haven't had it yet. Oh, okay. Fair fair enough. Fair enough. And you do have, uh, so I see that you also have uh, canned uh, brews Mm -hmm. for folks to take home with them as well. Uh, So that's good to know. Yeah, typically we have three or four. On hand, excellent. And the uh, the I mean, we are you surprised at how much uh, the brewing culture has grown in Chicago over the last I would say the last fifteen years. Yes, yeah. I think we're second only to Seattle. Yeah, I mean per capita, I think we're like two or three. Yeah. Um, the it's it's crazy because for years I've been a brewery enthusiast. I just took a vacation to Greenville. And we went to seventeen breweries over the past in uh, North Carolina, ten days south, south but Carolina, across okay. the border. Yeah. yeah, there are both though. There's a Greenville, North Carolina. Okay, well. <laughs> okay, Daniel, Adam, thank you. <laughs> You're yeah, awesome. so no, but it is. It's I'm not surprised that Chicago embraced it because of 
it's something to do on top of sure. being like a culture. It's something to do. People go out to breweries now. Yeah. It's a, do you guys do flights if someone wants to sample all of your, your we beers? Do. Oh, good. Yeah. Guess what I'll be doing. Four flights. Nice. <laughs> and uh, I, was asking, I was asking Tony uh, about uh, food. So you guys have some snacks, but folks can bring their own. Uh, yep. Let's bring your own food. Yep. You can bring your own food. You bring, you bring your dog. We have pizzas that you can make here by Masa Pizza in Forest Park that are amazing. Uh, and then just bar snacks. Excellent. Yeah. And uh, so it seems like a, a fun place to work. You've been here since the beginning. Your wife Is your wife still also working here? She is, yeah. She's the bar manager oh, now. Oh, interesting. So yeah. it's a whole family venture. Well, I know that you have a, a private group in the back that I don't want to keep you too much. What do you, what, what would you ultimately, because uh, this, is, this is a great strip of businesses on Rockwell, which like uh, there's an autism health center right there. There's a workout. Do people go work out and then come back, come over for their beer? It is pretty funny, but yeah. <laughs> A couple, a couple of dudes in particular that come here after they after they work out. Yeah. The beauty is there's a shower over there, so they yeah, can, thankfully they can shower yeah. and walk on over. Well, it's it's good for anti anti uh, inflammatory, like for your joints Indeed. and stuff, right? You're on the treadmill, you come over here and you make your uh, knees feel better. Yeah. Well, I'm excited. Thank you so much for uh, for the space that you have for the comedy show. Again, it's the River Room. Uh, the Laugh Lounge uh, is starting at 7:30, but the doors open at 7 o'clock. Adam Bohr, I want to thank you so much for joining us. No problem. And, uh, da- Daniel and- says you're welcome. <laughs> thank you, Daniel. <laughs> Have a great evening. I'll talk to you in a little bit. All right. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. We'll take a break here. We'll See come back in tonight. just a moment and keep catching up with uh, with Tony with uh, Tony and Soli. We come back on WCPT, a 20 Heartland Signal and KTNF, 9.50 a.m. in Minneapolis, St. Paul. WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk where facts matter. Hi, this is Kirk Bankstead from the Minocqua Brewing Company, and I sell Choice Hard Seltzer, an all-natural grapefruit-flavored booze that you can enjoy for only 100 calories a can. Percentage of the proceeds of every can of Choice Hard Seltzer you buy goes to reproductive rights organizations in the Chicagoland area. Enjoy a light, refreshing hard seltzer this summer and support reproductive freedom at the same time. Buy yours at Beer on the Wall, Arlington Heights, Woodman's in Bloomingdale, Kenwood Liquors in Homer Glen, and more to come. Must be 21. Please drink responsibly. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez. There's so much that goes on behind closed doors. On WCPT 820. There is so much that goes on behind closed doors, but tonight we're an open book because we are at the Laugh Lounge, which is going to be in the River Room Comedy Showcase tonight at 730. Doors open in half an hour. So come join us. Grab a beer, uh, bring some snacks, or you can order some here. You can make your own pizza, which I'm curious about. Tonight's my night to try something new. Sony, what was that? I'm... Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm done with it. I'm yeah, starving. I know. I'm, there was a, a moment where you were sitting back, and I was like, damn, look at her biceps. You were, Are you working out, like, regularly? I know I've been working out regularly fit. for 20 years, five days a week. Five days a week? Yeah. The only time I took a really long break in, um, was, uh, like, 15 years ago. I, I I was letting my ego get the best of me, and I was squatting too heavy, and I, I ended up with a bulging disc. So I was oh, out. Oh, no. For, I was out for, like, three months. And um, that was it. After that, I, I, um, I've i made my... I'm, I'm, virtually, I'm basically pain-free. Like, I don't... I know what to do. Right. To keep that from... Um, you know, coming back. All right. And, uh, um, but that's the only time I, you know, I was out for an extended amount of time. Every, ever since then, I'm, I keep going. Do you, are you more of a, in the morning exerciser or do you have a schedule? I think it's varied at different stages of my life because of my jobs. Sure. You know, so, um, when I used to work at, uh, 
I worked for ju- at juvenile court for many years, so it that then I had to work out in the evening because my day was just I had to be in court, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Um, but but now my job is a little more flexible, and so it just depends on the the day. Like yes, like yesterday, I I went into the gym at nine thirty last night. And oh, got really? out at 11. So you go to like 24-hour gyms? Yeah. Oh. Do you have a preference? I mean, I've been I've been a member with Export, you know. And you're good with Export? I'm good with Export. You okay. know, there's so many of them. And so they're, they're not that expensive. They're not too expensive. So, you know, some of them, I mean, you, you realize why they're not that expensive. <laughs> you know, yeah. but they've got what you need. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. they got what you need to get the work done. And there's multiple locations and it's 24-7 which is really important. Right. To um, go whenever you want. Yeah, to be able to go whenever I want, you know. I mean, rarely do I go at at, at 11 o'clock at night, but I mean... If you have to, you could. But I, if I have to, I could. You know, there, there's there been a couple times in my life where I was like stressed out and I couldn't sleep, so at 3 in the morning I got up and I was like, I guess I'm going to the gym. And I went to the gym and I worked out and I went home and I was able to fall asleep. Well, see, that, so, that helps. Yeah. 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 So just knowing I have that option is like, that's fantastic. I, I When I was at, at uh, the other radio station at WGN, uh, that was one of the things I loved was I would go do stair climbing. That's when I, I got into a, a nice groove of working out. I started doing stair climbing. And then in order to train for the fight for air climb, I uh, started doing CrossFit. Nice. And that was probably the best, I, honestly, the best shape I've been in my entire life. And then I hurt my shoulder. And that, a lot of times I'm it is an injury. It's because it's CrossFit. Yeah. And it, but but I, I because of my uh, my breastages, my yeah, breast yeah, situation, yeah. the boobages, the boobages. I was starting to get a lot of shoulder pain, and that's what like that threw me off track for like the longest time. Mm-hmm. So I was just telling slowly before the before the uh, we came back from the break that I'm going to do a, a juice cleanse. Like sometimes I, I just need like something to reset. So I'm going to try a juice cleanse, which okay. is a, it, and it's a juice and do, a juice and lunch. So I, it's basically fa- like fasting, right? And then, but eating one meal and then having the juices. Have you ever okay. tried any of those? No, you don't have to because you work out. Um, I you mean, I yes. because I yes, um, I've never done that. But I did compete. Uh, I was, I did dabble in the competitive bodybuilding when I first started, like twenty years ago. Uh-huh. So I mean, I had to be incredibly rigid with what I was eating at that time to the point where I was measuring everything, Ugh. and. Um, I was eating like six time, six meals a day, and they were full, large meals because I'm a you. You see me, but for the audience, I'm a I'm a petite lady, so I actually had to eat more to put on size so that I could build the the muscle. Okay, and so it came to the, it got to the point where at the time I was still living at home with my parents, so I would ha- ask my mom by the evening time, I would ask my mom just make me a steak. I don't give me don't give me a potato. <laughs> I don't want a salad. Right. Don't give me any anything sure to eat. I yes, by then by the by the sixth meal I was I didn't I was like basically force feeding myself. I was like just give me the protein. That's all that matters to me. Right. Just give me a steak to build the muscle. Give me give me a burger patty. Give me something without any of the other stuff just so that I get to the, you know. And yeah, and then I tried that and I did it and I got second place and, oh. and I was like, and it was an all natural competition for those of you, uh, suspecting, you know, um, I, I made sure that it was one of those that you had to get drug tested and, and, uh, and I placed second and then I was like, this is great. I could check this off my list, my <laughs> list of life and I'm never going to do this again oh ever, ever, God. ever. Cause it really is very tough on the body. Oh, I mean, sure. I was working out. 
six days a six days a week then two times a day no so it was lifting in the morning and then i was doing cardio at night wow that's a lot and i and that was towards the end that was towards the end because i had first had to put all that weight on right and then i had to so i could put the muscle on and then you have to figure out how many weeks out before the competition that you can start trying to trim back the fat right and so I had to, for like six weeks, I was like doing like... How hyper-conscious of your body. Yeah, you have to be really... But the one thing that for a while that I got real good at, though, because I had to measure my food, because you have to be so... There's no room for error. I got really good at knowing what certain sizes were and how many ounces was of something just by looking at it. Because I had measured it. I had been doing that for like six, seven months. I already knew what size everything was just by looking at it you know what right, i mean right. i was like oh that's that's four ounces of ground chicken or whatever you know what i mean and then i forgot all that stuff because it's been so long ago <laughs> so do you but are you very conscious of what i am very yeah. conscious of what i eat right and um, how it affects you your endurance or your strength too. yeah absolutely yeah. absolutely sleep people i hate to break it to you you need it and so it's like you know i mean i know growing up a lot of people would always take pride i only i've only sleep 44 hours a day a night you know it's like no i always aim for eight i always aim for it so do i yeah usually it's somewhere between five and seven i i cannot function if i don't get at least seven hours of sleep between seven and nine depending on right depending on the night yeah i'm the seven and nine and you don't you don't drink at all. I'm not a big drinker. I, I, I mean, I would say I probably have a drink maybe once a year. Wow. Yeah. But I, that has nothing to do with my fitness, though. Right, that right. is just pure preference. Like, right. I've just never been a big drinker. I'm also, I don't eat any of the fast food joints. I don't. And that's also not a big sacrifice for me. Did you not I grow never, up? Your parents never took my, me. Listen, let me tell you. the. You know what made me not like... <laughs> <laughs> not like fast food. We would go to Burger King on um, Irving Park by Clark Street, which is now I think like they they recently like knocked that down. I don't know if they're rebuilding it, but it's over like, by the cemetery. Yes, okay. over by the cemetery. We would go there every Friday, and I refused to. I wanted the Happy Meal or whatever they had back then, but I didn't want the the, the, burger. the burger. I didn't want the burger because I told my mother, you know, they flame broil. And I would tell her, I was like, this tastes burnt. I don't want it. And I would just eat the fries. You know, the grill taste. I don't like, I didn't like it. And ever since then, that that turned me off to fast food in general. If I'm going to eat a burger, I'm going to a steakhouse. I'm going to Gibson's. (laughs) Do do people try to like, no, try this one. I'm sure you've dated guys who are like, have you tried the, you know, this burger? No, I did. um, That's what, when I was, especially in my 20s, my friends used to do that, but with liquor. Come on. Drink, drink, yeah. drink. It's like, you know, uh, not, I'm not going to do it. But I did have a boyfriend that was, I mean, when I say he loved pizza, there, it was an, it, that's an understatement. I cannot express to you the level of his love for pizza was enormous. And so he wasn't as big of a fitness dude as I was, which when I say he wasn't as big, I mean he wasn't at all. And so... <laughs> And I'm not one to push my, right. you know, my lifestyle, you know, whatever. But, you know, that did sometimes affect our relationship because I remember one time, I to this day, I still am amazed that we had this type of argument. We got into an argument because he was upset with me 
that we had not had pizza in two weeks. He was <laughs> legitimately mad at me. He wow. was like, I, at first I thought he was kidding. He was like, it's been two weeks. And we haven't had pizza. Does he not have a wallet? I was like, dude, you're a grown man. Yeah. Eat some pizza. You can eat pizza whenever you want. And it, but it had more to do with the fact that he wanted us to go together as a couple. Oh my for god! Pizza. And like what, Lady in the Tramp? It with a piece of I cheese know, between the whatever. two. <laughs> like, dude, are we sharing the pepperonis? Like, what do what do what's happening? That's wild. But to this day, that was like, that has to be one of the craziest arguments I've ever found myself in with a significant other. I was like, I can't even believe we're having this argument. I said, it's only been two weeks. He said, yeah, two whole weeks and no pizza. I've never heard this story before. That is crazy. Yeah. That is an obsession. Yes. He feels like you're not connected. Now, did, you, did I recall correctly, you had a, was it you or a boyfriend that was a big Packers fan? My yes, my most recent uh, uh, my most recent ex boyfriend like is a Packers fan. Yeah, he's yeah. a huge Packers yeah. fan, and he's never lived a day in his life in Wisconsin. Like, yeah, how's that even happening? Yeah, he told me he was like he got sick and tired of the Bears losing, so he became that's a, that's he a became, fair point. He became a Packers fan. I'll go to the extreme opposite of that. Yeah, uh, we, we've been we're hanging out with Soli Santos. She's one of the producers and co-hosts of the. Laugh Lounge, the Laugh Lounge Comedy Showcase here at the Burning Bush Brewery on Rockwell near Irving Park Road. The uh, show is in the River Room, so it's a, as you heard from uh, Adam earlier, it's uh, right by the river. Uh, can you see, I didn't look out the back window. Yes, it's beautiful. You've got, it's, it's right back there by the river, so they have a, they actually have like a, like a balcony extension out, and they have like a huge glass, like garage door that they can open, Ooh. and you can walk out there, and you can literally hang out by the river and it's very nice they got nice little like Christmassy lights out there and it's you know even though it's the river and we think of the river as yicky we're way in, we're far away of enough from the water that it's actually a nice ambiance out there it's very nice well it's funny because this area there are people who have houses that yes. back up to the river yes. and it's nice property correct yeah. yes it's over on Wilson by Wilson yeah. the, Wilson Street over by and I think that uh, former mayor, uh, former governor Blagojevich yes. lives he's, over in that he's, area yep he's probably like five minutes from the from the river over there yeah yeah if nobody else knows where he lives by now, you know what I, mean? <laughs> I know. Not that we're stopping by afterwards. Yeah, exactly. Say hi to him, and uh, we're not encouraging anybody to go to his house. It is so funny how he turned into a big. Well, obviously Trump pardoned him. Mm-hmm. I can't remember if he pardoned him or, or commuted his sentence or whatever it was. Nothing. Yeah, I'm like, well, you, like you're a crook, dude. Like it's not yeah. again. It, come on, let's not uh, let's not be all excited that another crook gave you a gift, right? Essentially, yeah, exactly. Yeah. This, uh, you know, there's a, a. I don't know if you are following. Uh, Another trial, another aldermanic trial. Someone's waving to you in the window. Hi. <laughs> We're in the window, folks. You can draw, yeah. walk by on Rockwell and just wave to us in the window. Do, yeah. you, know, do you know them? Yeah, that's oh. that's Tony's mom. Oh, she, she can come in the front door. There's a sign outside that says "Enter through the alley." Yeah, yeah. So we should we should tell her wait. Yeah. I should. I do love her story about her mom suggesting she be a flight attendant so her mom could get free tickets to fly around the world. She's a smart lady. That's smart. She's but, a smart lady. Do you, now, when you fly, who do you fly with? Do you have a? a I mean, airline? I don't. I'm not. I'm not a, in particular. I'm not like loyal. Whoever's got the cheapest deal at the time. It also depends on where I'm going, right? Because like I know, like, um, you know, when I go to Puerto Rico to visit family. Um, I don't go to San Juan. I go to the other side of the island, and there's a smaller airport, and there's only three airlines that go there. So I'm kind of 
so even if I was loyal to a specific one, if they're not going to that smaller airport in Aguadilla, it ain't it ain't happening. So it depends on where I go, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not completely um, married to an airline. No, yeah. no. I'm uh, dug in deep with miles. <laughs> it's been too long. When you go to Puerto Rico, when you go to Puerto Rico, I, a friend of mine just came back, Carmen Navarro Jacone, okay, who ran for Cook County Sheriff. Nice. She, she just went for a few days to, to do a reset. We're talking about a reset. Okay, that's nice. I, I feel like a lot of people are doing like an early. Almost New Year's Eve, New Year's resolution reset, trying to get ready for the next year. Because I usually go every Jan- the first week of the first week and a half of every January. I usually I'm, I was there last year for uh, New Year's Eve. I flew in on New Year's Eve, uh, which was wild because when I went into O'Hare, uh, nobody was at the airport, and I felt really weird. I was like, "Where? What happened?" Every I even told I even told. Um, uh, when I was going through the uh, metal detectors, uh, I, I even said to the staff, I was like, where is everybody? I feel weird. This, I feel weird inside. And they just, like, laughed at me. I was like, where? <laughs> I was like is this only the only plane that's leaving out right now? It was empty. It was that's, a ghost town. That is creepy. Post-apocalyptic. You're like, I was, where's I've, the zombies? That, the last time I'd seen the, the airport that empty was 9-11. Oh wow! When all the airline, all the airports were shut down for that time span, you know. Yep. That's the last time I've seen it that empty. It was really, it was odd. That is weird. Are you are you a first flight out or last flight out kind of person? Or just I'm. Like, a, you know, I'm not a morning person, but I will get up to go and take a, to get a flight to get out of here. <laughs> well, I mean, I love Chicago, but you know, when you're ready to take, you know, a breather, yeah. Yeah. No, my bag is packed. Sometimes I don't even sleep. I just stay. If my flight's at like 3 in the morning, I'll just stay awake. And I'll sleep on the plane. Do you have family in Puerto Rico? Yeah. Yes, I do. Yep. And, and my my father, my parents have a, a family house out there, a vacation oh, home nice. for us. So I don't pay for a hotel. It's a two-story, six-bedroom, three-and-a-half baths. If you ever want to come, just let me know. I'm sorry. What Tony happened? went with me one year, like two years ago she went with me. To, to Puerto Rico uh, with my parents. It was really odd. It wasn't the best time to go. <laughs> no, it was more like, because uh, I didn't think about it. Like I was like, hey, it's such a big house that I was like, Tony, we'll still have plenty of room. We'll have our own We'll have our own rent, car rental while my parents do their own thing. But then my mom, we'd be at the beach, and my mom would be calling me saying, Are you going to meet us for dinner? <laughs> How are you girls doing? Are you having a good time? Yeah, are you going to meet us for dinner? We're going to go to your cousin's house afterwards. Are you going to come? <laughs> so it was like, oh, okay. Maybe, maybe I'll come back here another time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And it's nice to get away for the winter. I think that yes, if, if you sure. can go. It's the best time. Listen, I tell everybody. You want to go to a nice tropical island, okay? It Puerto Rico's the time to go is January, February, okay? okay? Because it's still 80 degrees. It's not the rainy season. It's not hurricane season. It's the off season, so tickets are, tickets are cheaper. Okay. And the weather's fantastic. Okay. Especially after January 6th because Christmas, because the Christmas holidays go to till Three Kings Day over there. Right, right. But they're still partying until there's like a big festival like in mid-January in San Juan. It's, it, they're still partying until the end of January. My husband's listening. He's like, oh boy, she's going to Puerto Rico with Soli. <laughs> Give me a reason. Give me a reason. Oh yeah. You gave me a reason to pass this day. <laughs> uh, let's come back in a moment. We're hanging out with Soli Santos. She's a co-host and co-producer of the Laugh Lounge Comedy Showcase at the River Room. We are at the Bur- Burning Bush Brewery on Irving Park, off of Irving Park Road. It's Tongue Rockwell. Twister. It is. Yes. A, 
It's a, I, I've gotten through it once, I think. Burning Burst Brewery. Burning Burst Brewery. Burning Burst Brewery. I don't know if I said it right. It's Rockwell and Irving Park Road. Where if you're nearby, the show starts at 7.30. Doors are opening in about 10 minutes. And we will be right back after this on WCPTA 20, Heartland Signal, KTNF, 950 AM, Minneapolis, St. Paul. Amy Goodman reports on the news stories rarely covered by the corporate media. Democracy Now! Youth activist Lucky Abang of the Pan-African Climate Justice Alliance demanded rich countries pay poor nations for loss and damage caused by climate disasters, like recent floods in Nigeria that killed more than 600 people while displacing over a million. Democracy Now! Weekday evenings at 11 on WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk. WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk, where facts matter. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. We are heading into the home stretch. I know we didn't talk too much about the news of the day. I don't know how much uh, Soli knows about uh, yesterday. The uh, House of Representatives voted uh, overwhelmingly, and all Republicans voted to uh, have an impeachment inquiry into yes. uh, President Biden. And uh, I don't know if you saw any of Hunter Biden's press conference yesterday, but I was glad that he stepped up to the mics and was like, yeah. hey, you want me? Here I am. Yeah. But they want—they only want to talk to him behind closed yeah, doors. Yeah, of course. So they can spin the story. Right. Yeah, because they got nothing to say. No. They, they got nothing. To, they got nothing. They, have, they have nothing. Like, they got nothing. They've had months. They've had years. They've been spinning the story. But the thing that's crazy is how many people just believe it because they've heard it over and over again on Fox News. But this is the game, right? Yeah. Because they know that, that all you have to do is say anything you want. And it doesn't matter. Somebody's going to believe it. Yeah. Somebody is going to believe it. So it's like not even... This is why when, when I hear people say stuff like, oh... They're not smart enough or they don't know. But no, it's not that they don't know. It's they say this stuff on purpose. They know what the truth is. Right. But they say these lies. And even though we might think they look like, like, where are they? Are they on crack? Like, what is it? (laughs) But really, they're. They're very sane in the sense that they're like, oh, no, I know that I'm lying. But I got to. But I'm going to tell it to the people that are going to believe this. Right. Right. So and I feel bad. I feel bad that people have been tricked I, and I don't know that they'll ever because uh, when you feel like you uh, were wrong, it makes you dig in deeper. Don't you think Cause yeah. you want to be like, oh, I made a mistake. No one wants to do that. Yeah. That's how so many people ended up uh, storming the Capitol. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> and now and so this is this. It'll be. Oh, I don't know if you knew this. Today, the Supreme Court. Uh, upheld the uh, assault rifle yes. ban in uh, in Illinois yes. while they're doing they're still having these hearings, but essentially they're not gonna they're not gonna halt it. So that's that was good news I mm-hmm. thought because today is the 11th uh, memorial I guess recognition of the children that were killed at Sandy Hook. Uh, I'll never forget that day. I was in the car. Uh, we were coming home from Northbrook Court because we took the boys to go see Santa Claus. And wow. I w- almost started crying in the car because I can't even imagine. It's been 11 years already? It's been 11 years. That's cray-cray. Yeah. It's been 11 years. And immediately, like, Griffin was in grade school, and they started doing active shooter drills. I know. It, we never had that. We no. had tornado drills. We. I'm old enough that we... Oh, you are too, I think. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Nuclear a bomb drills. We had oh, a, I never we, had a oh, we had to get under bomb. our decks, under our desks. We, we had, had to, like, hur- hurricane. We had tornado. We had tornado drills. Definitely tornado. But I never drills. had. I never had nuclear. In 1976, we were still doing nuclear bomb drills when I was really? in kindergarten. Yeah, at Anaheim. Oh no! And I remember being terrified. And, and we were well, we were around the same age when uh, 
the day after came out. Remember that yeah, movie? I remember oh, that. Oh, that was. I do remember. I, that. I, I couldn't watch it because I just remember like it, it. It was messing with my head. Isn't that what this new movie is? An apocalyptic movie, the one that was produced by the by the Obamas. Oh, I don't um, know. What's it called? Oh my god! Oh, I know the, one? the audience knows one. I know there's somebody in the audience that knows one. I'm oh, that's about. that's terrifying to know that um, they, they're producing a movie about the end of the world. Is it? No, no, I don't. I, I haven't seen it, so I could be. Oh, you mean so the, the threat of uh, nuclear war? Uh, some apocalyptic oh, type boy. of the, the things that could possibly happen. Um, See, more like I don't know. This is one of the reasons that my husband and I watch The Walking Dead, so we can develop skills with how to deal with people and what to have on hand and what to stock up on. You know what you uh, what kind of skills to develop? I don't, man, if that happens, let me tell you, um, uh, I'm SOL because um, I got nothing. Well, I, I feel like introducing you to my friend Jen Zanotti because she's a a, a, a jiu-jitsu instructor. Oh, I have a feeling I used that to you, do MMA. Oh, I was gonna say I used to do. She, that's where Tony and I met like well, twenty years ago. Well, you got skills. You I do. Used to do I used to do Shidokan. I trained in Shidokan for like a year. Okay. Yeah, I did I don't a know what that I, is, but Shido, Well, it's a, a mixed martial arts form um, with a little that has a little mix of jujitsu in there with boxing, um, and then I did a, a naga tournament, a, a national a grappling. Uh, grappling tournament but i was already lifting at the time so i was stronger than a lot of the other ladies and so one of them thought i was like cheating or something because she couldn't she couldn't pin me but it was literally because i was physically stronger Stronger. just simply physically stronger than her because i was a lifter right and and they were not yeah yeah Yeah. so i had the the technique plus the strength and so she the lost. movie is uh, the movie is Leave the World Behind. Correct. Thank you very much. A for family vacation it. on Long Island is interrupted by two strangers bearing news of a blackout. As the threat grows, both families must decide how to best survive the potential crisis, all while grappling with their own place in this collapsing world. Yes. No, I don't want to do I that. I think that's the new. That's uh, the new uh, uh, day after. There's a movie that my husband and I. I've been watching uh, Christmas horror movies or Christmas. Scary. I just watched a Violent Night. How'd you like it? I, I mean, it was, the it was little corny parts, but there were creative deaths, weren't there? But it was like, but I was still like, I'm. I think this might become a traditional Christmas movie. Like, <laughs> and then why was it me? But I was. Uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, the one that played Saint Hopper from. Thank uh, you. I was like, why? You know, Mister Mister Hopper, you're looking. I, I kind of like you. <laughs> Mr. Hopper, he I want to hop on you. He, he looks good. He looks I good. Wa- I want to hop on you, Mr. Hopper. He was great. Ho, ho, ho. That's ho, <laughs> well, ho, ho. If, if you like The Violet Night, uh, Black Christmas, the original from 1970, the early 1970s, it's a slasher okay. movie at Christmas. Oh, is it? It's at a sorority house. But, okay. it's, but it ha- it's a little bit like uh, the same kind of uh, tone as Halloween. Oh, okay. So it has that same sort of like <laughs> crazy person. Uh, and then last night we started a movie called Silent Night, which is about the end of the like the there's there's this chemical tornado coming, and they've given everybody these pills if they are contaminate or they are affected by this tornado of chemicals. It's it's I haven't really? finished it yet. Yeah, it's a little dark. Oh, wow. It's a little heavy. I know. Oh my god! And then we're doing a comedy show, everybody. Yay, you guys! <laughs> and then and then we'll we keep talking like this. I'll be at the I'll be hosting. I'll be like, thanks everybody for coming to the show tonight. It's just all over. It's all over. <laughs> we got a great show lined up for you. <laughs> and you do this every month. Let folks yes, know how, how they can find out about future shows. Yes, you can find out. You can uh, follow us on the Instagram. Um, is that how the kids say it nowadays? The Instagrams. The, the Instagrams at Laugh Lounge underscore comedy. Laugh Lounge underscore 
Comedy, or you can follow us on Facebook at Laugh Lounge Comedy. Is it like the first, the second, what, what, the second Thursdays? So we have, we're, our, our next one is scheduled for January 25th. So, Excellent. So we should be doing it like the last Thursday of the month. This year, this month we didn't do that because it would, nobody's going to show up on Christmas. What do you mean? Around the Christmas. You don't know. I'm doing Christmas at a, a funeral home on oh. Christmas Eve wow. with Chinese food. I'll get more details for the, everybody on that coming up soon. So Lee, thank you so much Thanks for, for having, having me. always. It's always thank so you. fun. I appreciate it. Thank you everybody back at WCPT. Thank you, Lady B. I know that Mike Crute's up next with Devil's Advocate. Have a wonderful evening. And Matt McNeil after that, new to our lineup. Bye everyone. Have a great evening. <laughs>